really understand the quality of the asset that you're buying, right? I mean, we own a bunch of properties that are, they're in a great location, but they're built a hundred years ago, right? They're in downtown locations and, you know, old buildings take a lot of daily or, you know, not daily, but re repairs and maintenance, right? Yeah. So they're expensive to run. This is Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we're joined with Jens Nielsen. Jens is a Danish immigrant turned real estate mogul and high performance coach, owning over 1,700 apartment units and a 34,000 square foot warehouse. With a background in IT, he focuses on asset management and capital raising while coaching others in multifamily investing. Jens, we're, uh, we're, we appreciate you coming on today. If you could let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm excited about our conversation today. So as the intro said, you know, hey, I, I immigrated from Denmark uh, 27 years ago, I think it is, did the traditional, got my education, went to college, you know, and uh, worked for other uh, people for most of my adult life. Um, and it wasn't until like my mid 40s, I realized I had to make some changes. Otherwise, I would just be working for other people for the rest of my life. And but I looked around, everything else looked like, oh, it's just another job, right? A consulting or starting my own kind of, you know, IT business and stuff. And, and nothing had really any kind of passive income, at least not for the foreseeable future. And then I kind of um, stumbled on real estate uh, back, you know, seven, eight years ago. And it's like, wow, here is actually an opportunity that may make, make sense. And uh, I reached out to a few people that I knew in the local market and it's like, oh, you know, here's just how you underwrite, here's your, how you buy some properties. And I think between between me thinking about it and taking action was just a, a few months, but that was all my own capital. So I bought, you know, a couple of fourplexes down in Albuquerque, New Mexico early on. Um, and, you know, then you kind of run out of money. I thought it, like we did, me and my wife bought two fourplexes and then 11 units in the first year. And we're like, oh no, now what? We don't have any more money. And we had to figure out what the next step was. And that really was, you know, to, to start partnering with other people to do larger deals and yeah. started syndicating, you know, the joint ventures and syndicating there in 2018, 2019. Then we've kind of been, been doing that ever since. So that's a quick intro. And we can certainly dig into any aspects of that story that you would like to. Yeah, yeah, because it's exciting to hear from from where you started. You started from absolutely zero as far as real estate goes, zero properties, and um, and you grew your portfolio to a to a massive massive portfolio. What um, what was the first property like? How did you find it? How did you take um, take it down as far as debt goes, and then and then managing the properties? Very excuse me, very straightforward. Just a fourplex listed on the local MLS, I think. I contacted my broker and, you know, we ended up buying that one. And I, it was like $117,000 for four units in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was probably a D property in a D area, but, hey, it was cheap and it got me into the game. Uh, yeah. Got some, you know, just a regular mortgage, 30-year fixed mortgage on there. And... Uh, and I think one of the biggest things looking back that I learned that that or accidentally stumbled upon at that time was that I didn't I lived what three and a half four hours away, so I couldn't self manage. And I think that kind of saved me because had it been in my local market, I'd probably try to self manage, and I would just become this 
you know, owner operator and just get swamped with dealing with tenants. And I'm not a person who wants to deal with the hands-on. That's not my kind of my style. So got a property manager on there. And uh, I think that kind of saved me from going insane by trying to manage my own properties, you know? Yeah. Property management is, um, is a whole another animal in itself. It, uh, and it can definitely keep you stuck in the trenches for sure. Um, what, what inspired you or pushed you to get, um, to, to start your first, to do your first syndication and then tell us about that property and, um, how that process went. Yes. I think, you know, we did a joint venture in between. I think the stepping stone was probably the joint venture. If you want me to maybe share a little bit about that, because that was my first experience with getting, you know, quote unquote investors in, if you will. So I can uh, talk about that. And that was a, um, that was also in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I, you know, my, my broker who had sold me a few deals, I had said to him, Hey, you know, if, if we find, if I find something bigger, do you want a partner? He's also an investor. He said, yeah, sure. So I found this, um, that was actually listed on LoopNet uh, in like 2018, a, um, a 38 unit property. And we needed a little bit of equity there. So him, myself, and a couple of friends, we went in and, and kind of, you know, joint ventured on that. And that was my first experience where I basically was talking about a deal to people that didn't necessarily know a lot about real estate investing and so forth. So it was a lot about education. It was a lot about, you know, running the numbers, getting them comfortable with the projections and learning a lot along the way, right? When things don't go exactly as planned, how do you communicate that? How do you stay on top of, of, of informing your investors, but still trying to you know, execute the business plan and, and so forth. So that was my first kind of um, experience of quote unquote raising money. And that gave me the, you know, I would talk to anybody I knew about real estate investing. So over time I started to have like a list of people. So when in 2019, I got the opportunity to join a team that were syndicating a deal in um, a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia and 212 units and uh, i partnered with them you know kind of as a co-sponsor as underwriter and stuff and was able to raise some money for that and that was like oh now i know what it looks like to do 200 plus plus unit essentially yeah and then getting that experience of the the entire team coming together to take down a large deal and then your um your limited partners on the other side is that there Absolutely. is a, there's a huge difference between your scattered smaller apartment sites and then your your large apartment complex with the way that you can manage the deal effectively manage it um and then there's a i think there's there's a totally different caliber in property managers as well when it comes to the smaller scattered sites versus the large uh, properties that can afford on-site staff for for every component of the the project um that's a the, the the company that you you went on a GP with on your first syndication is that is that who you're currently with as well or have you transitioned over to no that that was just a, an opportunity at that point to kind of join to get some experience and then jump in there they've since they've since gone off and done their own thing and we split ways we sold that property made a good profit and um, you know they they went and did their thing so yeah but that same year in 2019 I met my now partner I was went to like a real estate uh, you know, seminar and, and um, sat next to my, this guy and we started, you know, chatting and had some beers that night and kind of, you know, 
liked each other and and he was doing his second syndication at that time this was up in uh, in erie pennsylvania of all places and we partnered on that deal and that was my you know i started learning how he operated and 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 we became you know we became friends so did one in 2019 we did you know three or four in 2020 and that has kind of just just grown on i think we've done 20 plus deals together now and we basically work together. I just got off a call with him. We basically, you know, on Zoom calls every single day and we work together now as as a as a partnership, which I really like because I know him, I'm friends with him and it's much more integrated and I can I feel like, you know, the we have a better control of what's going on versus joining various partnerships out there. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get to know each other's next move and essentially kind of know the tool before you need it on each side. Um, Absolutely. So you all are asset managing, meaning pushing the property management to make sure that they're, they're squeezing the bills, the expenses and pushing the rents. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, the unique part of our partnership is that he's also the property manager. So he is managing the, the properties as well. Right. But there's still a different, there's still that level of, you know, his goal as a property manager is to fill the units and manage the tenants, collect rent and so forth. Me as a as a syndicator, as as a general partner, I have to also look at, you know, are we following the business plan? Are we staying on target with our with our income and, and so forth? And that's that's kind of where I because I'm far away, right? I live in New Mexico and, and these deals are in Ohio and Pennsylvania. So I try to stay in the background and just monitor results, monitor. Um, the business plan and the income and the expenses and hold, try to hold, you know, the groups accountable to those, to those expenses and income and so forth. Yeah. And that, that helps having um, a second set of eyes on everything. Just um, uh, you cash certain things that other people might not be looking at. Um, so that's, uh, are you with open door capital currently? Is that correct? Well, so this is open doors with an S. So it's not related to Brandon Turner's company, anything okay. like that. So, got just, it. Uh, and actually, we are rebranding. So, for any of your listeners, it's the new company is Incrementum Equity. That's the new company that we have. So we're kind of moving away from the other company to make sure we don't get confused with it. So, got it. Well, and and I just wanted to make sure and clarify on on my end too, because same. Uh, same industry, of course, and uh, capital raising and apartment investing. So that makes sense. Uh, so 1,700 plus units. Uh, what did it take to get there? And, and what steps did you have to take personally to, to evolve? Yeah, I mean, you know, from somebody who was probably a um, a bit of an introvert that was most comfortable sitting behind a computer and doing, because I was an IT guy, right? Just doing my IT work forever. It, it really, it really... I had to start, you know, getting uncomfortable and and getting out into the world, right? Because you can't really have an impact by being just in your house or in your office all day. So it took, you know, joining a coaching program. It took me going to events, connecting with people, starting finding ways to adding value and so forth, right? But also talking to as many in- investors as I could opportunity get an opportunity to talk to and really start um you know sharing what i learning a lot and then sharing what i had learned and and really just starting persuading people and influencing people to the fact that real estate investing is a a great asset to be in right so 
it was that getting uncomfortable and started like, changing myself. And that took a lot of coaching and mentoring and so forth. And then also, you know, just starting to show some results, right? I mean, once you do your first and second deal, you know, if you don't create results, people are not going to invest with you again, right? So you start having some good, good returns. Another thing and people, they continue to come, come back to you, right? So, so that's, that's the other aspect of it, you know, but you know, it took definitely a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-development in order to get to a space where you're comfortable going out there and raising money. Yeah, you you hit it on the head too. Uh, entering, getting into a mastermind, getting into the room where you've got a, um, an alignment of interest with other people, and that's where you gain the knowledge, and I think gain knowledge to the next level because you can get yourself to a certain point, but then it's going to take someone else to take you to the next the, the next hurdle. I feel like. Um, yeah. Do you want to touch a little bit uh, for beginners listening in, wanting to get in on um, on what that looks like as far as mentorship and joining groups? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, of course, groups out there that will charge you $20,000, dollars $50,000, right? I don't think you should do that because a lot of those are, you know, that's probably more money that you need to spend. But I would find a way to surround yourself with other people that's doing what you're doing, right? So definitely go to some conferences, maybe signing up for a program that's that seems more affordable and and then also start finding that that peer group. So I think one of the early things that I did, I would go, you know, I was living in a small town in Colorado at that time. I didn't really have anybody around me. So what I was like, I would go to, you know, go to Florida, I would go to Dallas or Texas or, or you know, Denver, and I would meet people and I would see the same people, you know, at various events. And I'd say, hey, you know, Joe and Paul and Sue, do you guys, I really like what you guys are doing. Do you guys want me to set up a, a monthly um, Zoom call so we can all get together, hold each other accountable, um, move forward? And that really, that really helped me because then I would, I, would, I would get around those people regularly and they were doing things and I would be inspired to do similar things, right? And push myself. So you have to find somebody that's a coach, a mentor, a peer group, a mastermind, a meetup, just something where you get out around people that are doing what you want to do. And ideally, they're a step or two ahead of you. So you can kind of be inspired by them trying to, quote unquote, keep up with them. That's really super important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody pushes and, and um, you just get there together. A success is funner when you have other people to celebrate with. I, I feel like it's um, can make big wins bigger. Um, tell us about a... Um, a learning lesson, um, one of a bigger learning lesson that you've had. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest, some of the challenges that we 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 faced or are facing, right, is is um, you, you know, we're underwriting deals in you know 2020, 21, and interest rates are super low, and you know nobody could imagine that interest rates are going to was going to do what they did, right? So we did one deal where we uh, bought it on on floating rate. It was a bridge fro floating rate debt, and we're like, oh yeah, maybe we'll go up a couple of points. You know, that's still okay. Um, and we did not buy a rate cap, and our lender did not require us to buy a rate cap. We just, you know, nobody had had the experience of what could possibly happen. So our rate went from four and a half to like nine and a half percent in a matter of you know twelve to. 12 plus months and we're, we're getting crushed, right? Because suddenly our debt service was so incredibly high. So, you know, luckily we had, we were able to refinance it and kind of, you know, we were able to save the deal, right? But it wasn't, 
oh, we're going to get this huge cash out refinance. We're basically able to break even on our loan, get it refinanced, right? And and can now, you know, breathe a little easier because our debt service has been reduced. But that was a huge learning. Like, just because you haven't seen it, it doesn't mean it can't happen, right? Don't just assume that interest rates are going to stay low and really come in with some solid plans and protect your downside to some degree as well. Uh, and that, that goes back to you don't know what you don't know. So even every the moon's aligned, everything's going great. You still no one could see the um, the Fed raising the interest rates as fast and as aggressively as they did. Um, and there's a lot of pro, there's a lot of groups that are still hurting big time from what's going on with the uh, floating rate debt. Um, time will tell what that looks like, but um, I mean it, it, it. The past two years, I think, is been a challenge in the debt markets in general but if you can underwrite the deals to make them make sense you're essentially buying the deals on discount right now if um if you can make it happen to make it work um yeah absolutely i keep hearing everyone just or just survive through 2024 and <laughs> 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 what it happens after that but that's yeah. um what would be um if you, if you knew then what you know now what would be one of the biggest changes that you would make if anything on that specific deal or just in general um getting into real estate and investing in in your path yeah i mean i think i think you know uh really understand the quality of the asset that you're buying right i mean we own a bunch of properties that are they're in a great location but they're built 100 years ago right they're in downtown locations and you know old buildings take a lot of daily or, you know, not daily, but repairs and maintenance, right? Yeah. So they're expensive to run, they're expensive to heat. So it may be worthwhile, you know, looking at newer asset classes in in maybe even, you know, garden style in one location versus having a portfolio spread out that that requires a lot of, of that. So I think, you know, as we move forward, higher quality assets is going to be one of the things that we're going to continue to look at right um you know come in you know you want to have plenty of reserves right because one of the biggest thing that we see in every property we take over there's always that dip of income and occupancy early on right so as you yeah. kind of dig yourself out of that hole don't promise your investors you're going to start distributing next next month because it's probably not realistic right have a realistic plan that says hey this is a longer term game and you're in it for the long run. I think those are some of the key things that we've learned that we need to communicate with our investors on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you got to have a grace period to restabilize, see what true bills are coming in, uh, what the cash flow looks like. So the rent roll is never the effective rent roll is never what it seems to be on paper. It's uh, and then you've always you always find out who the bad actors are who haven't been paying rent, and you got to get them out. So there's there's definitely a period of time you have to restabilize, find out what money you've got to work with and what you need to do, and and then take it from there, and make it into a great asset. And um, yeah. as far as the buy purchasing the um, we'll call it better assets, as far as newer and vintage, it's just it's it's always harder to swallow the hundred fifty thousand to two hundred fifty thousand price per unit price tag you have but you know 20 years from now you'll appreciate yourself i think <laughs> it's just that's right <laughs> we're, and but it kind of goes against the um there's different strategies you know I, I i think you're in a value add strategy where you're you're buying at a basis to where you can afford to put renovations on each unit and still not be at a negative cash flow 
if you're buying at a core price where you can't you have to do renovations to to reach a premium but the property can't afford renovations it's like uh you know you're playing devil's advocate there you're damned either way yeah yeah and i think the other the other side to that is right you know we if you're a life company or something where you're like, oh, we're happy with three or 4% return, you can do something like that. But I yeah. mean, right now, no investors are going to put money in on a three to 4% return, right? They can go and get more in a CD. So yeah. we have to find a way to push that, right? And there is, <clears throat> you know, the value add strategy is the way to push it. Of course, you're also taking on more risk when you're doing that just because of, you know, that's the nature of the game, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a balance and just buying right, which every every property <clears throat> there's a balance. Just finding it, and if you're dealing with totally someone totally unrealistic, then there's there's no deal anyways, as far as the sellers right. go. Um, what path would you uh, would you tell a beginner real estate investor? What path would you tell them to go? Would it be limited partnership, learn how real estate goes, or find a general partnership or find deals, do it on our own? There's a lot of different paths. There are so many different paths, right? And it really depends on, you know, your own, your own um, kind of financial situation, right? If you have, you know, like me, we had, you know, I was in my 40s, I had saved up some money. I love owning my own assets because I don't have to answer to any investors and stuff. So if you can go and buy something with your own capital and that, I wouldn't go and buy single family houses because then you're in a different space, but you know, a small multifamily, I think that's a great way to start if you can. If, you know, if capital, if your own capital is a challenge, um, or maybe you have a, a, an IRA or something, you know, I do love the the LP side of things because you do see, you get exposure to your new market. You do see how operators are running their business and, and, and learn from that, right? And if you do absolutely want to create a business out of it, but remember, you know, being a, you know, raising private equity, being a syndicated, that's a business. And you, I mean, a lot of people trying to do it on the side, which you can get started, but it's really hard to stay on top of it. So if you want to go down that route, that's fine. But really look at it as a business that you're dedicated to for the next many years, and you're willing to put the effort in, right? And you're willing to build a team and raise the money and do the asset management, right? Because nothing, nothing free in this world, right? And it's going to take a lot of effort regardless of which direction you, you take it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can raise capital from investors, but ultimately the investors are trusting you because they're investing alongside you. So asset management goes along with that and vetting great deals, creating this, vetting the sponsors, uh, making sure that, the, the team is competent and able to execute on the business plan like they claim they can. Um, it goes along with being who you say you are and do what you say you can do. And I, that's the tough thing with, with syndications. You've got a lot of gurus pushing it, but a lot, there are syndicators out there that haven't owned a business in their entire life. And, and you have to be able to pivot and make moves very quickly in business. And um, the same grit and grind is in syndication. It, multifamily is a, uh, a business as well. Um, and it's hard work. Everything's hard work. Anything worth doing, I think, is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And just what you said about, you know, the gurus pushing it. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, I think we did the business did itself a disservice because anybody that could raise money and buy a deal in 2019, 2020 and sell it two years later would look like a freaking genius. Right. But they were just super lucky riding the, the wave up. 
that that is not the reality right now. And those are the people that you talked about that are in in trouble, right? They're like, oh crap, we can't get out of it. We actually have to operate this deal. And we didn't really think about that, right? And everybody is like busy with other things and they're not paying attention to it. So, um, you know, it's it's a long-term business. It takes patience and you got to really be diligent every day on it. Yeah, but but think of it, you have real estate or you have a stock market. You can see the real estate day in and day out. You can go field, touch it. You've got debt pay down. You've got cash flow. You've got depreciation. You've got multiple ways you're getting paid. Whether you see it in the bank account or not, you're still able to take advantage of of tax structures. So it's it's more advantageous. Even on a dip, you're still getting your returns. It's just when you come back out of the cycle, you're sitting in a in an incredible position um, to uh, to then take advantage of of your long term gains. So um, absolutely. I love it. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my website and it's called incrementumequity.com. And you can probably put that in the show notes. My email is actually my old email address. It's Jens at open doors with an S capital.com. That's the best way to get hold of me. You know, I'm on the socials, but I'm really an old school guy. <laughs> email is probably the best way to get hold of me. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, certainly look forward to following you. You guys are, um, your growth is uh, incredible and um, look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Bye.